Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like you to open your hymnals this morning to Psalm 71, and we'll speak responsibly the first 12 verses. Psalm 71, the first 12 verses, the psalm appointed for this day. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked. From the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast off... Cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him. For there is none to deliver him. God, O oh God, be not far from me. O oh my God, make haste to help me. This is our text, and I would encourage you as you sit down to keep your hymnal open as we explore Psalm 71. First, when you come into a room, what do people think of you? Do they look at your clothes? Others look at your face. Others notice your hands and what they're doing and what they're holding, and maybe even the way you walk. People read and interpret these things. They look at your body language, and it speaks volumes to them who are paying attention. But does your body language tell others who you really are? This morning, we consider a part of Psalm 71, the appointed psalm for this fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. And I especially want you to draw your attention to verse 7, where it says, I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. A portent. Not a word that we use. In fact, I've never used it before. I've read the ESV. And yet the ESV considers it so important that it would go ahead and include it in the Scriptures three different times. Here and twice in Isaiah. Isaiah connects portent with the word sign both times. You might say a portent is a message board saying, hey, pay attention. Look what's going on. The first time Isaiah uses it, is of the names of his children. The second, when Isaiah is barefoot 
and naked. Not exactly an appropriate children's message, I would think. But they stood as visible signs about what God was doing with his people. When people saw Isaiah and his children, they were a sign. They were a portent saying, pay attention. So when Isaiah's sons walked into a room, their presence spoke volumes. Was it good? Was it bad? Well, that really depends. Are you faithful or are you unrepentant? Are you a believer or an unbeliever? So when Isaiah walks barefoot and naked, he stands as a sign against unbelieving Egypt. Their nakedness would be exposed, meaning a defeat of Israel's enemy. When Isaiah's oldest son, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, showed up, his name meant the spoil speeds, the prey hastens. What it meant was that the wealth of Damascus and the spoils of Assyria would be delivered from them. In other words, they would be defeated and their wealth would be carried away. Another defeat of an enemy. Now the question is, did God's people believe it? We read about it in Isaiah, and you can too. So when the second son, Sha'ir Yashub, that me, his name meant a remnant would return. Hmm. Is that good news? Or is that bad news? Good news for those who would survive. But bad news that everyone else would not. Important. Bad news? Or good news? Law? Or gospel? The psalmist here in Psalm 71 feels the pressure of being noticed. He calls himself a portent, a sign in verse 7. He looks to the Lord for his refuge. But not everybody likes him or notices his faithfulness. We go down to verse 10. We find his enemies in a football huddle. They look at him as a man to be defeated. They taunt him as if God and everyone else is against the psalmist. Or at least unwilling to help. Maybe you remember the little red hen? Oh, that old familiar story. She thought she had helpful friends. She had some grain. She invited them to help her to plant, to reap, to make the flour, to make the bread so they could enjoy together the fruits of their labor. But each time, there was none to help. The psalmist finds himself helpless, forsaken, so that people conclude in verse 11, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. Now, if you would go all the way to the end of Psalm 72, 
And you know what? They didn't print that verse here. It doesn't have everything. Verse 20 reads this. The, song, the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Well, that's not really something you would say in church, would you? But it's a note that David too is important, a sign. God's prophets like Isaiah and as we read in Jeremiah were signs, this portents, even David himself, all are portents, signs pointing to Christ. And what do we find out about Jesus? You remember when Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple and Simeon took him up in his arms and it is recorded in Luke chapter 2 and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel for a sign doesn't use portent there that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And so Jesus would say of himself in John chapter 5, verse 39, it is the scriptures that bear witness about me. Jesus himself is the center of scriptures and of this psalm. To get a full understanding of this psalm, we must see Jesus as foremost. He indeed is the ultimate portent, the ultimate sign of this psalm his life was both active and passive obedience to the father praising god in all that he spoke all that he did and all that was done to him as we heard from luke chapter 4 this morning when the demon was cast out when peter's mother-in-law was healed and many others even the demons testified to who Jesus was and is. They knew he was the Christ. And the news got around. Jesus is important. Is he good news? Is he bad news? Does he bring the law? Does he bring the gospel? It depends on who you are and what your situation is. Jesus was bad news to the demons he cast out. They recognized it. They saw their destruction in him. Herod the Great and the religious leaders they saw Jesus as threatening law to their place in life. So much so that they sought to break the fifth commandment to kill Jesus. But the psalmist, he prays for deliverance and rescue. He hears and believes the good news of the gospel. He reaffirms what the Lord, that the Lord is indeed his refuge his rock that he has leaned on from conception, from birth and after. You remember how the Lord had warned Joseph in a dream? And Jesus was delivered from Herod's murdering hand. 
remember? Again, how Jesus prayed to the Father that the cup of death would pay pa- that would pass from him. What about then? Would God the Father rescue him? We see the cross before us. Jesus was crucified. He still died. A pronouncement of the law. You see faithful Christians, all, you see Christians who are faithful all their lives, and yet they still suffer and they still die. We have been spared many times from death and many disasters and accidents. The Lord has blessed us and preserved us. That's good news. Yet, as the psalmist, we still have struggles, we still have difficulties, we still have people who do not like us and even detest us. And we may wonder if God has forsaken us and maybe even others wonder as well. What is it that we have to rest on when we face that ultimate enemy, our death? Where is our hope, our good news of the gospel? When we die, what will people think Has God forsaken us? And so the psalmist invites us to sing, invites us to pray with him. And so we look at verse 3. You have given a command to save me. Is it true? How do we know? This is what the psalmist is wrestling with as he faces his own enemies and what they think of him and his circumstances. When we read the psalm, it looks like the psalmist is beginning to waffle. And at times, we may find ourselves as well. Where is his confidence? Christ makes all the difference. Even though that Jesus had prayed that the cup of death would pass from his lips, And he still died. God the Father did not forsake him, but raised him from the dead. Jesus rested on God's command, on his word, that he would be rescued from death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk a new life. For Romans chapter 6 says, For if we have been united with him in his death like this, we certainly will be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is how we as Christians are to live. We know that because Christ was raised from death, we too will be raised from the dead. God has delivered Christ from every evil, and so we who believe and rest in Jesus will be rescued from every evil. Why? Because the Lord has answered the psalmist's prayers completely in Jesus. We go back to verse 2. 
In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. As you go through, you, you hear about the psalmist's faithfulness. And yet he does not rest on his own faithfulness and his own righteousness, but on God's righteousness to deliver him. That is the glorious exchange. He takes our sin and he delivers us in his righteousness so that when God looks at each one of us baptized children of God, he sees not our sin, but he sees Jesus in his righteousness. And now by faith, we live out this righteousness which we have received in Christ. Our lives are to, be, are to give glory to God no matter what other people think. Living out Christ's righteousness makes us now a sign, a portent to others. Is that good news? Is that bad news? We know that because of Christ, we know that because of who we are in Christ, it can be challenging, difficult. But those fade away in the view of who Christ has made us and what we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. So then is important good news or bad news for others. It is always meant for good. Though they may not think that at first. People may feel accused when you are around. Because of the way we live in Christ. Perfect? No. But forgiven. It isn't the way that they are living. But that's good. Because the Lord wants all to come to the knowledge of the truth and to come to repentance. Probably the best summary of this psalm is from Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You had the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled into under, under people's feet salt sprinkled in a wound hurts doesn't it so also when you enter into a person's life it may hurt but also salt gives flavor so also you bless the people around you and the world in which you live you are the light of the world a city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You are a sign. You 
are important. In God, that's all that matters. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.